Hey everyone, welcome back to Stories from the Influencer Economy. This is Ryan Williams. So excited that you're here for episode number 59. My guest is Meredith Walker, co-founder of Smart Girls. I think you guys are going to get a lot from this episode. Make sure you stick around till the end. The Meredith is a former talent executive for Saturday Night Live. So she talks in depth about what it was like working on the show in New York City, as well as what it was like meeting her uh, best friend, Amy Poehler, who she started Smart Girls with. And I think it's a really good lesson to talk about how you can build a company with a friend and how often sometimes an idea amongst your friends becomes something that is turned into Smart Girls for Amy and Meredith, but for all of us else as a business. Without further ado, here's Meredith. Meredith Walker, welcome to the show. So you are the founder of Smart Girls, and is it known as Amy Polar Smart Girls or just Smart Girls? Well, it's kind of both, um, honestly. We started as Smart Girls, but then as Amy became much more well-known, um, we started calling it Amy's, Amy Polar Smart Girls just as an identifier, and so it's, it's actually both at the moment. Does it help you like, with discoverability with Amy Polar Smart Girls since she has become more well-known? It totally does. It has really helped. Um, interestingly enough, our Facebook account did well no matter what because people just liked how positive it was, and that's why it would get shared a lot. But um, things like Twitter and Instagram are the ones that, that ended up doing better because of the recognizability of her name. Yeah, that's that's great. a new word. Yeah, recognizability, <laughs> it's, it's a new word in the lexicon. <laughs> We'll, uh, we'll put it in, it will be in uh, Urban Dictionary after this call. <laughs> so if anyone's listening, make sure you tweet out that, what's the word again? Recognizability. Recognizability for smart girls across the country and world. Look, if snuck can become a word, recognizability could become a word. Okay, hashtag recognizability. <laughs> um, so uh, we actually first connected at South by Southwest, and I don't like the word connection. I'm going to take that back. We first met at South by Southwest. That's right. And uh, you were about to go on stage at the, at the Nerdist event. You were doing some sort of comedy show, if I remember correctly. What, what? I, I think I was just doing, I was kind of either, because I, I was on a couple of panels that we had, but I also kind of hosted a little bit because we had some smart girl programming and I was kind of the MC. Yeah. How'd that go? And, and how, how was smart girls down at South by Southwest? Oh, well, at South by Southwest, it's such a great fit. I mean, it, that's I since I, I live in Austin, so I love South by Southwest anyway, and kind of the interactive and the film. And we've also already participated in South by Southwest education before. And so this year, being able to to actually have a real space, it's just our own. It kind of people from all each of the different arms of South by South by Southwest got to come and experience um, a little bit of Smart Girls, and we had so much fun. And it was during the day, and it was a fr- and it, and our our site was free. Our activation was free, and so there were a lot of young people and boys and girls who all got to come and enjoy it. So it was it was a huge success. Yeah, I'm a big fan of South by Southwest as well. I've been going for six years now. Oh, great! And uh, it's one of those conferences where you get to see friends from around the country that, you know, convene on Austin for that, those few days for interactive and you meet new people even just for a few minutes and it can be like a a game changing conversation. Exactly. I mean, look, look what's happening here. I think we might break the internet when this podcast goes up. I think so. I think there's uh, a lot of smart girls listening, 
lot of smart boys listening because you you don't discriminate. And uh, correct. And as mentioned, I, I have a one and a half year old daughter who's already becoming a smart girl. And what, what was the impetus for you all starting the company? And is it three founders in total? Well, yes. Well, Amy and I um, were just talking about our the the rough years of kind of seventh and eighth grade. Um, that's, that's what it kind of usually ends up being, but it's different for everybody, maybe by a little, by a year or two, but, um, you know, that's just when there's something called relational aggression is the kind of scientific label for it, but it's where the peer on peer stuff can start getting pretty tough. And so instead of, you know, loving, um, digging worms and thinking about these, you know, huge ideas for yourself, you kind of start feeling like to survive, you need to kind of fit into certain categories or certain groups. And, um, and so it makes an already weird time because you're growing. It's another, it's your second big growth spurt biologically. So to have that going on and you're trying to fit in, it's just, it's a mess of a time to understand anything about yourself and not feel alone. And if most of the time, if you talk to um, women, especially that's a common denominator, whether they were the mean girl or the on the other side of it, or just, or even just a floater in between that those are just not the, the years of, of big strength of, um, self, self actualization and self-confidence and all that. So anyway, having, having kind of really talked about that and having that in common, we really wanted to do something to help that age range because we had remembered very fondly that there were people either older girls who babysat us or were kind of like at, at the churches we went to or just on our block when they didn't, when they just thought we were goofy and kind of fun to hang around, it really felt good. And those were the times that were not painful. And so we thought, you know, how can we kind of offer that to more people? And at the time, uh, we were both at Saturday night live and we were thinking, Oh, you know, in the summers we should do like a conference or a camp for kids. And then we both realized we'd have no idea how to do that but we are both in the television industry so we can make a show. And so that's how we started out. And we invited our friend Amy Miles to join us as we built it because she is an outstanding musician and our dear friend. And um, so we became, I think we look so much like the witches of Eastwick because it's a brunette, a blonde and a redhead. Well, now two redheads, <laughs> but at the beginning. Um, and uh, so we represented several hair colors and Wait, uh, but that's the, how it started. Who's the new redhead? Well, Amy Poehler is currently a redhead. Oh, she is? Okay. <laughs> yes. So I feel like I need to dye my hair red just to kind of, you know, round it out. Yeah, there's some solidarity you need. To, uh, <laughs> so so you're, uh, you're working at Saturday Night Live, and, uh, you know, f- from everything I've read about, it's a very intense job. And, you know, people work long hours. And is this something that you started off as a side project then? And then, like, did you jump into planning the first event? Or how did you actually start launching the website? Because it's funny, just I'll give you some context. I mentioned that I was going to interview you to my wife. And I looked, she looked at the Facebook page, and she had already liked your page. Talk, talk about, you know, the Rame, Rame, uh, name recognition before. And then, That's- like, 15 of her friends already liked it. That's, that makes me really happy. You know why that's outstanding to me is because, uh, that's, that's even without new shows, new videos, you know, big sweeping, big moves. That's just from our social media. Um, just sharing what the, you know, the things that matter to us and that we know matters to our community. And then, you know, so, so we're so proud of all of the people who are, who make up our community because it's not from, 
you know, from anything, but, ex- but just the community itself. And so I love hearing that. That's great. Well, I think, I mean, Amy, I think she liked it because Amy is such an accessible brand of, of, of comedy and of entertainment. And then also she's, was a news anchor, you know, for, uh, you know, Saturday Night Live, of course. Um, but what, what about your brand do you think is, makes people relate to it? Well, gosh, I think there's a lot of stuff. I mean, our, our goal is really to just model the behavior that we try to encourage in others, you know, and as Amy has said before, um, we're, we're not out to actually like, what is it like move the needle, but we do just want to be positive influences. And, and our concern for girls is that kind of being snarky and commenting on things kind of seems to outweigh just normal participation in your own life. Um, and so we really try to post and speak in realistic language. You know, we don't use, um, a lot of like education jargon and we don't use like marketing words like tweens. We don't think that that's a real word. Um, or millennial. So we just say, right. Exactly. So we just, like no one know, says we, millennial. That's a millennial. I, I, right on. You know, you know if, and we, if, we if really think advertising, that, you, you use these branded terms. Right. And we just don't think that those categories really work because it just doesn't. I mean, first of all, in, in our community, it's, it's, um, different genders. It's people who identify as different genders. It's all kinds of ages. Um, and so, you know, we don't really subscribe to being able to, to force any kind of marketing category on them, but, but we really believe that our authenticity and our openness is what lets our community know that we respect them. And, and I think that that is what keeps people around. Yeah. It's so funny because people think like, Oh, we got to reach millennials like as a company or a brand. Right. But that's the, like, that's the opposite approach you should take because in the end, millennials are just this category that you're checking off that you've marketed to because you want them to buy your products. It's like, you're not really respecting them as people. Right. It's, it's easier to put them in a silo and say, okay, we need to reach the millennials. So we'll buy Facebook ads or we'll make this kind of content. Um, so you think that like smart girls is just easier to identify with because it's so human. Like what was the impetus for the title? Well, we, we originally, our first, right out of the gate, we were smart girls at the party and it's because we, um, we started with a small web series and what we wanted to do was, was show, celebrate the everyday you know, and we, we, we didn't want to, uh, focus on like, you know, someone who finished college when they were nine or somebody who was winning a bunch of pageants. I mean, you know, good, good for them and all of that. But we wanted to show that like just being interested in something is what makes you interesting to yourself. That's what makes you feel like you have a fun, enriched life. And, um, so we, we really liked to focus on, on, uh, the girls who had actually found something that really held their interest and hadn't given it up just to fit in. Um, because that's what, that's what we wanted to do too. We wanted to, that's who we wanted to hear from and wanted to see that as kind of the role model. And, uh, so we wanted to show how seriously we took that by having kind of a Charlie Rose set. And so that's how we did it. But then, um, Amy is a big fan of dance parties, just spontaneous dance parties, dancing, not caring if anybody's looking or not. And so that's how the name Smart Girls at the Party, uh, originated. Yeah, I noticed you have a lot of branding on your website about dance parties and mentioning of, of dance parties, like in your about page. Yep. Yeah. So well, well, and that's how we ended most of our uh, all of our Smart Girls at the Party episodes end in a dance party. 
And w- what is the Smart Girls at the Party? Like, what is the series about? Well, that's what I, yeah, that's the one um, that where we wanted to highlight the girls who had already, who had interests that they hadn't um, abandoned. And so we have, gosh, I've forgotten. I've lost count of how many episodes we have, but those are up on YouTube. You can find those in different places to watch, but it's, um, it's Amy Miles and Amy Poehler and me. And we talked to young women for the most part. We also did an excellent um, series of episodes, which were based around senior citizens because we don't, we also don't think there's an expiration date on being a smart girl. Like you don't, you know, just because you're not a certain age doesn't mean you stop needing to be reminded about how to participate in life. So I'm really proud of the senior citizen episodes, but, um, anyway, so we have several of those and every single one of them, uh, includes a very hard hitting question, um, which is something like, would you rather have to eat pineapples your whole life or, um, or, or eat one cricket? I know that's not really a great example, but you know what I mean. Yeah, so it's like uh, it's, it's sort of these, <laughs> but they're questions that sort of they're fun questions that you actually in eighth grade talk about. Like, what would you rather, you know, do something? And it's, it's yes, but, the, but that's what, that's really the only kind of goofball question. Okay. The rest of it is really Amy just talking to these people and and all of us interacting. Amy Miles is the musical. Uh, she's like the Paul Schaefer. She's our the roots of uh, the Smarkles at the party. She's she's the music director. I'm the producer. The G the G E Smith. That yeah, she's the G E Smith, <laughs> and um, uh, but much prettier. And uh, and then we end every single episode with a spontaneous dance party because we want everybody and we wanted to remind ourselves what that feels like. So even the crew, everybody comes up and just dances. And again, I'd like to encourage everybody to watch the senior citizen episodes because okay. watching them get down is pretty fun too. I'll, I'll put that in the description for sure. <laughs> Good. We don't want to expire any, any, uh, there's no, this isn't like milk. I mean, smart girls are, they last a lifetime. It really does. So my daughter, Julia will be, a, she's a smart girl when she came a year and a half ago and she'll keep being a smart girl forever. That's right. I mean, you might as well get the logo tattooed on her somewhere. Yeah. So uh, smart girl <laughs> tattoos is the next big, big thing. Yeah, that's the next big trend. Um, well, I, I'd love to talk about your founder relationship because okay. so often that's important for starting a business. And what I love about the modern day startup world is that you can start companies with friends and you come in with like a genuine interest or a curiosity or a passion around a subject matter. And then you, you build a business and a community around it. Like how important was it for you to have Amy as your founder and like how, and working together for years, like how were you able to build such a strong trust with each other? Well, we were, we were really just friends first. I mean, we became inseparable when we first, um, met. And so it was, it was way after the fact that we sat around and decided that this is something that we wanted to do. And we didn't even sit down and say, let's start a business together. We really, we just wanted to do something good. And then it took on a life of its own and very organically just ended up becoming a bigger and bigger thing. And, um, and so it really, it really just was a friendship that, and this was kind of like, um, the child of our friendship. And so we've always trusted each other immensely. And, and that's, so that's, that's that relationship. It really did. It's just a friendship that happened to accidentally become a business. And, And is your background in comedy? Is that why you started working at Saturday Night Live? Not at all. Uh, my background was journalism and TV producing. And, um, cause I used to work for Linda Ellerby, which is a highlight 
of my life and changed everything because she taught me about truth telling and storytelling and the importance of helping others tell their stories, uh, get their stories told. And that was at a show called Nick News, which was on Nickelodeon. And it was kind of a, um, it was a news magazine show for a younger demographic, but that's where I learned so much from, from Linda was, you know, you don't, you don't set up like a big pink slumber party room and, and, and say things like, Hey guys, you know, let's jam about equality. You know, what you do is you actually have real conversations no matter what. Um, and, uh, so that's how I started. And, and, um, and then eventually just through a lot of segment producing, I ended up being the head of the talent department at Saturday night live. And then I had been there and then that's when Amy came on, um, as a cast member, um, but so we just both had, and then she had already been doing UCB. They had a series on comedy central. So she had some, um, ex- real experience with, you know, shooting episodes and segments and all of that. And, uh, so that's how that came together. And so when you mean you're working on the talent side, is that with the, the guests on Saturday Night Live or the talent on the show? Well, both the talent department deals with the, the cast and the musical guest and the host. But I would say the, the majority of that job was making sure that we had a host and a musical guest for every episode, um, and, which isn't as easy as everybody thinks. Because to find people who are willing to be on live television and give up a week of their entire life um, to come do something that takes bravery is, is not that it's not that easy. Um, but uh, anyway, so that was it. And then and then kind of being their personal producer through the week just to kind of make sure they had a real liaison um, while they were there. Um, so that, that was most of the job. So what's the process like then if you want Peyton Manning to come on, like, are you directly reaching out to someone like Peyton or are you talking to their agent and manager? And like, you know, you, cause you mentioned it's not easy just to jump in and like put yourself out there on stage. Yeah, it's not. And it's just like, you know, you also, it's just hard to find a whole week where you can go and do that. A lot of people have schedules that, you know, their life is just booked. And, um, so that's, that's why it's, um, it's easier to find it when they have time to do press around one of their projects, but what to do it's you know, it's just a constant, like you're just spinning plates. It's a revolving thing where you just, you're always in talk with different agents and managers and, um, and PR people and trying to make sure when is somebody's movie coming out, um, you know, which episode, is there even an episode that week? How do we do that? You know, so it's just, there's a lot, there are a lot of moving pieces and, um, and just, and so it's just, it's a lot of finagling and logistics and all that stuff. Who are some of the more enjoyable bands that you help book when they, when they played, they, they just, they tore it up. Oh, the best. Uh, the, well, Radiohead was great that way, but U2 was, that was the kind where everybody like felt like they were at some kind of great revival and, you know, couldn't believe our eyes because I think I'm pretty sure that was after nine 11 was it. And they sang New York, New York, and everybody went crazy or something, but either way, the, the energy of that, that was just one of the greatest things in the whole world to see them on such a small stage. It was so fun. What about that? Uh, the post nine 11 show where Paul Simon played. Yeah. Was that something, how did that come together? Were you involved heavily with trying to recruit all these folks to come on? Um, well, yeah, I mean, our department did all of that. And, and I have to say that the people, there were, there were some great people in the talent department who really worked hard to get all of the firemen there. And, um, 
and fire people. And, uh, and, and then, you know, Lauren just, he's the greatest producer in the world and he, he's the one who knew how to put it all together and do it. And, and Reese Witherspoon really stepped up. I took a lot of courage to, first of all, to fly, to be there and to be, you know, the first episode afterwards. And, um, and she was just top notch, very, very classy and very funny. Where does that show rank in like the, cause I think that's one of the more like epic shows in the history of the show. Oh, I think so. I think it was, um, it was really important. It was kind of a measure of how things were, how things were going. And it was kind of like, you know, we're going to, we're going to spring back. Um, cause that was, you know, we were all on our way to work that morning and it was, um, you know, it really shook all of us, uh, very, very much. I would th- I would say a lot of us even had like real ex- existential crises because it was, you know, it just, nothing, nothing held the same weight after all that. So I think that that, yeah, that, that was a particularly important, um, episode. I remember like a lot of like David Letterman and like Conan O'Brien, they went dark for a few weeks. Oh yeah, that's right. And, uh, no, I remember people at that point, there was this like dialogue, like, is the country going to laugh like again? I mean, it was very, it was dire. So that show in, in a lot of ways was like symbolic that SNL with like Paul Simon playing. Oh yeah. Um, sort of like, it was like this healing moment, which was, it was wonderful. That's cool. Yeah. It was, it was, a, it was a privilege to be there at that time. So in the end, like what were some of your favorite hosts? I won't ask you any more Saturday Live questions except for this is the last one. Oh, that's fine. Um, oh God. Cause people that showed up and really delivered and like had memorable sketches that you felt like they didn't even need a lot of training for. Well, Alec Baldwin always, you know, that goes without saying, um, he was so, he was such a master host and such a part of the gang. But I'll tell you one of my favorites in the whole wide world was, um, Pierce Brosnan. He was, he just walked off the elevator by himself and was so ready to, uh, to just put himself out there and do whatever it took. And he was goofy and, 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 and such a gentleman. And oh my gosh, I mean, he was just a really kind man and and we all enjoyed him very much okay so pierce he's underrated as a uh, as a character he really is he was a ball we had so much fun with him and he just he was just a really nice guy still is and so now that you've you've started smart girls it's you have you know great relationships and you know how to work with people like what what was the transition was there a big step you took with amy after you decided while you're working on the show together that you, like when to actually launch the website and the brand? Yeah. Well, what happened was, um, it was just an idea for a long time. And then after a while I decided to kind of change the direction of what I was doing. I really wanted to do a lot more social outreach in my life. And, um, so I ended up moving to Austin and it was while I was in Austin that, some really great startups were happening and there was a startup here that no longer exists, but at the time it was called on networks. And, um, I started doing some consulting work with them and they were doing digital content and this was, you know, new to all of us. Um, and so what what year was this? This was, Oh gosh. Uh, I want to say 2007, six or seven. And I said, Hey, my friend and I, and this is Amy was not, 
she, she wasn't even on, she wasn't doing the news yet. I don't think. And I just said, Hey, my friend and I have this idea. If y'all are looking for a digital content, we could try it. And they said, okay, let's try it. And so that's how it started. We didn't even think of the website. We didn't, we just wanted to kind of, you know, to have real conversations with real girls, um, you know, just for some real authenticity and, and just be curious about them and show them how curious we were and to show others how great it is to be curious about others. And, um, and then have a, you know, a, a silly dance party at the end. And, uh, so we, we, we had a relationship with that company for a little while and then, um, and then we took a break and then we had a deal with YouTube. And so we did it again and it got, had some and more shows and oh, started were, having a website. Was that when YouTube like was giving out money for, uh, content creators? For, well, first they, were, they gave out, they did a thing with a hundred channels. Yeah. Like Jay-Z had one. Madonna had some kind of dance channel. I don't remember. Nerdist had one. Geek and Sundry had one. We had one. Um, and so that was great. And we, we made a lot of great content then. And, um, and then Amy got Parks and Recreation and we were, so we, we kind of just went in and out, but that's when we really focused on the social media aspect in our own community. And so we started doing like little events and I started doing all the public speaking and, and, um, conferences and workshops and things like that. And that's when we really started defining ourselves as kind of this, um, gosh, just this like this real entity. And, uh, we even ended up having a couple of, um, summer camps. Um, oh, so you did the camps we, eventually. Yeah, we did day camps and, um, and all of that. And then recently we were acquired by legendary entertainment. And so that's when now we're starting again to, to make videos. They're, uh, they're all being edited right now. But, um, but all that other time was really just spent on, on this community of kind of, we just want to kind of take away the power of that kind of commentariat, um, frame of mind and make it more about, um, you know, have opinions, but make sure they're based on facts and make sure that you're not insulting when you share them and be curious about each other, cut each other some slack. And, uh, we all have enough pressure in our life. So let's try and be authentic and change the world by being ourselves. Well, you mentioned before you had a mentor when you were, uh, you worked for a journal as a journalist and, um, the Nick news is like, you talked about authenticity even back then, like how does working as a journalist affect what you're doing now? Because what you all do, you, it's approachable, you know, it's very much like the content itself sort of speaks in a way that like the language on your site, like it's all like, it's not pretentious, it's straight up and it's real. And obviously YouTube saw that as well when they, you know, helped you guys launch your channel and they gave you some, you know, funding. What, what is it in the end you think from the journalism background that helped you to, you know, tell the stories? And you mentioned before that you also learned how to tell other people's stories through that job. Yes. That, and that's my favorite part of it is when you can help somebody, when you can set them at ease enough to have them open up and be able to tell their own story. I think that's that's the strongest move, you know, even more than an on-camera interview with two people. Um, and so I've always kept that in mind. I really love it when, when, even if we have contributors on the website, when they, they will send in an article or a video of themselves because it's just something that's important to them. And I feel like that's, that's always the, the best content we have. Um, but as coming from the, um, being a protege of Linda Ellerby, it really is. I mean, telling the truth is very important important to me, making sure that we have all sides of something, um, for the most part, you know, when it, whenever it's applicable is, is really important. And, 
and also just, you know, in the standards of, you know, what we put out on the website, um, we really do try to make sure that we're, but we have a good standard, you know, we don't just, um, like I said, without using the marketing words or without just being like, you're amazing. This is awesome. There's nothing wrong with that at all, but I would rather say this is incredible because you've shown such courage and bravery, you know, and kind of get a little bit more specific than just kind of a bucket of, um, of words like awesome and amazing. And, you know, so those things are important to me too, like the power of real words. Yes. And, uh, what I love about what you're doing is, the perspective I have from YouTube is I used to work at a company called Machinima. And oh, we, yeah. We actually, I ran marketing there. We got a grant from YouTube to do a, a series about zombies and the zombie apocalypse coming. And so we ended up getting, uh, we've raised a lot of venture capital as well. And But what I never really liked about the gaming world and YouTube when they merged was just sort of the, the hateful comments oh. and, and how misogynistic people can be on YouTube and how they can hide behind their usernames. Hate that. And I think the internet, it's so easy to be negative and go off on people that you don't know, that you're never going to see, and there's not this accountability, like living in a town or going to school or go, you know, living in the same city with people. And what I like about your message is that you're, you're saying be real and be thoughtful and try to just think about what you say because it matters. And so many people are haphazard on the internet and social media. Yeah. And that was, that was actually really important to me from the beginning. Um, and that was even when we didn't even, there was nobody but me part of that time. And I, you know, almost like blew, blew myself out a little bit from, I I couldn't rest at night knowing that somebody might put something up on some of the YouTube comments that were, you know, I, I really have, I want, not only do I want to protect smart girls, but protecting the girls themselves is more important than than anything. And so just if someone put something rude up about one of the, the girls who had been courageous enough to come on and talk to us, um, I just couldn't do it. And so that, that's when I realized like monitoring and moderate and moderating is very, very important. And so that's where that started. And then once we started getting a bigger following on other social media platforms as well, that's when I said, I want to make sure that people are clear that, we have a policy here and it is to, you know, to communicate with as much kindness as possible, but also at least just respect if nothing else. And we have really enforced that. And, and, and now it, we've enforced it to the point where now it's self-policing. And that's why people probably like your wife and her friends, um, like being there because you feel clean, <laughs> you know, it feels like a good experience because no one's being snarky and crappy to each other. It's, it's like, there's a quality control. Yeah, that's it. And, and you know, the other thing is most people, a lot of people out there don't realize how hard that is to do. It's it's and, it's, know, it's, it's you know, so yeah. it's a full time job, and it's great your community is, is stepping up to help police the situation. It really is because it's it's a little bit of a soul crusher when you do it by yourself for too long, um, you know. Because and it, and it, and it's my thing. Like I'm sure that there are certain boundaries where some people could be like, "Well, I'm just going to sleep, and if some if something happens, I'll just deal with it tomorrow." But I couldn't do that. I was just like, I can't. There's no way I'm going to have anything nasty up on something of mine. So, um, I'm, I'm, yeah, it is getting easier though. Thank goodness. And you mentioned before, like kind of on the note of, of, you know, trying to stay above the fray with conversations, like you wanted to have, um, you left Saturday alive and you wanted to do something sort of more for the social, like good of the world. I don't know if there's a, there's probably a more eloquent way to say it than social good. That's fine. Um, but what was the transition like? And 
do you think working in entertainment in some ways, cause it is a, I live in LA. It's a, it's a gluttonous industry of a lot of people that are, you know, ego driven and money driven. Like what was, what was your motivation to jump into this and say, I'm going to do something that actually is good and care a lot more about that than other priorities? Well, there are a couple of things. First of all, I was raised by super hippie liberal civil rights activists. Um, and my father is an Episcopal priest. And so we always grew up thinking about others and, and, uh, and it was very, an important aspect of our entire like value system as a family. And so as much as I enjoyed very much like working at Saturday night live, and I mean, that's where I bet the, met the, one of the most important relationships of my life, you know, my best friend. Um, it also, it just, I, I wasn't, I wanted to get, have my hands dirtier in the way of, um, helping the marginalized people or helping, um, underserved people. And, um, and I remembered very much that when I had worked for Linda Ellerby at Nick news, that was a very powerful way of being able to use media for good because having these younger people be able to tell their stories or even us, you know, being able to, um, like after the Oklahoma city bombings, we talked to some kids who had been affected by that, or we help, you know, um, talk about why it's important to vote and have kids tell us, show us how they've helped in their community and, you know, why it's important to make sure you know what's going on and all that. That really felt like a version of, um, of contributing something. Did you grow up in, did you grow up in Austin? No, I grew up in Houston. Okay. Um, well, I mean, as a, yeah, as a child, but I, I would say I really grew up in New York because your prefrontal cortex doesn't really finish forming there, until your, to your late twenties. So I really feel like that's where I really became who I really am. But, um, but yeah, so that's, that's, uh, that was, that that's was, a great, that's a great science nugget you just dropped. You oh, know, thank you. the pre-cortal what? Prefront is your prefrontal cortex. That's what enables you to kind of see ahead and be able to, uh, translate emotions and kind of make long decisions based on, you know, future stuff instead of like just kind of being in the moment and reacting. Okay. Um, yeah, that's why adolescence is so hard. It's like, we, it's like dealing with aliens. We're all aliens (laughs) at that age. Or like my daughter, my daughter, like the playground is essentially a jungle. Right. It'd be like trying to talk logic to your daughter right now. She's like, what? I don't even know what your words mean. There's no rules really. Right. Um, but yeah, so that's why I really did want to, um, just kind of start fresh. And, um, when I got to Austin, I think that was 2007, six or seven, something like that. Um, it, it was still a very sleepy town. Yeah. That was really um, cause South by Southwest started getting big in like, Oh eight, Oh nine. Right. And now it's like a 30,000 person conference. Right. And there's a lot, there are a lot more kind of like Silicon Valley kind of ish places here now. Oh yeah. And back then it was just, it was, it was, um, it was a good place to just kind of recalibrate. And so it was actually while I was here, you know, that that's when we, when we really started talking about doing something, um, you know, when, when smart girls actually was born. When it officially was born, it was when you were back away. Oh, you're out of New York city. Yes. And we, um, you know, we do, we actually do a lot of service projects as often as we can. And, we, and we're going to do a lot more. Um, you know, we, we either have like volunteer days or we have activism campaigns that we, um, talk about on our website and social media, like join us and post your picture of your version of it, you know, because we really do want to want to encourage that kind of, um, 
participation in everybody. And so we also have, we had a great day a couple of months ago where no matter what your age or anything, you could come and just learn how to um, just learn about cars. Cause it's just not something that we're all, you know, really familiar with for the most part or taught. And so we had this really cool Austin environmental car repair shop and they, you know, told us how they showed all of us what to do if something happens even if we're just a passenger in a car. And so we really like to do some like honest to goodness groundwork, you know, be in the field with the girls we care so much about. So then you mentioned before a couple of times we've talked about you helping to tell other people's stories mm-hmm. and how you've cultivated that skill. Like what is, what is your story? Like you talked about how you started to speak more when Amy took over for parks and recreations Yes. Like, what is the narrative? Like, what? And I, I, I sounded like that was so flip. Like, what's your story? You no. know. <laughs> but um, <laughs> like, what is this? What is your story? Like, now that you've changed, you know, pivoted your career into something you're really passionate about that's different than, you know, living in New York City for sa- working for Saturday Night Live. Like, how how is it? What's the story? Well, I think the story for me was the the transition of kind of realizing that day to day life is life and. Um, so getting to know yourself is really important and getting to know what you like and don't like and what interests you, all of that stuff, I think is much more important than, um, uh, certain achievements. I think the achievement of your life is finding yourself likable and interesting and lovable. And, and this is where I, and I've, I've learned that along the way through a lot of different, um, kind of career points or, you know, even geographical points. And so I like to tell the story of how, of how Amy and I, um, how we came to kind of create smart girls and then, you know, how we continue learning from it ourselves and, and how we kind of apply it in day-to-day life. And then how we can all do that, how we can all be more curious about each other, um, how we can all, um, kind of strive for that kind of realizing that, that, you know, as is, we're pretty great. And, we're all kind of figuring that out as we go and need to be reminded of it often. But, um, and that's, that's what happened here. I mean, even my, my own, my, my personal velocity kind of thing is from, um, going from entertainment to now, um, kind of saying yes to certain events and fumbling along and then getting a little bit better and then realizing, okay, people like to hear this stuff and then getting bigger and bigger audiences and bigger conferences and bigger groups and, um, and big, you know, high schools and middle schools and, and having people actually, uh, have some of this stuff resonate with them has, has been my, my little evolution. So how, how often are you like on the road or how often are you speaking in front of people and crowds? Probably twice a month. Yeah. Um, at least. And yeah, yeah like in August, I don't even know. I'm going to be gone a lot because we're actually doing a, um, I'm actually doing a service trip with a great organization that does a lot of work with um, women who are coming across the border um, uh, from from Mexico into Texas because they suffer so many hardships. It's like no matter yeah. what you what your beliefs are about you know immigration or anything, these are people who really need medical and psychological and just you know help. And so I, I do that too. I go on like service trips like that. I went to Malawi this year with, uh, Bono's or, uh, organization is called one.org and, uh, it's called one. And, uh, we went with Heifer International and one to Malawi to, um, to, uh, help the Malawians. They don't have any electricity over there, you know, so that, those kind of trips happen too. And that's, that's actually my favorite part of the job is the field work. Who did you go on that trip with? 
uh, just a, a various women, a lot of activist women and um, some very um, heavy hitting bloggers. In the, and so what was it like, like being like in the field? I mean, cause we all come from this world where we've got our, like I have a, we have a drought in California, right? But I still have water coming through my sink. Right. You know, there's obviously it's a drastic thing going on, but I mean, what's it like when you're in the field actually doing the work versus just talking about it to people? Um, well, you know, it's, it's real life, for instance. I mean, that's, that's, um, that's the power of it. You know, it's not something I'm, you're saying on a screen, it's not something you're reading about. You're really there. And, um, you know, I could tell you about some of the sadness and all of that, but what I, what I try to focus on is the power of like, we're all so connected. We, every one of us has more in common than not, you know, we're all more alike than not, um, it, it does being in Malawi, for instance, really made me think about, you know, our identity. It's like these people, who would they be if they had been born in Houston, Texas with, you know, with certain, um, just economic stability, you know, and who would I be? Who would, what would my personality be like if I had just been born in a village in Malawi? Like, what is my essence? You know, so I do a lot of that kind of questioning, but but I also one of the things that that we that I really love, especially out of uh, the the kind of Austin office here of Smart Girls, is this is all around us. Like we do a thing where we um, there's a there's a great thing here, an organization called Keep Austin Fed, and what they do is they go around and they get all the surplus food from restaurants and grocery stores and distribute it before it's not good. Um, and so we help them. We help them get it from the grocery stores and then take it to places. And one of the places we take it is a home for uh, immigrant women who need protection for whatever reason. And it was so many different accents, so many languages, so many ethnicities. And whenever we have taken the food theory, we just think, whoa, like, I mean, our reality is very much different. You know, all of our basic needs are met. And so when you see people who are really just trying to get basic needs met, um, and you're helping get the food in their hands. It just helps you feel a lot more connected to humanity. I think I would imagine. Yeah. Versus living in our like little gated fenced community and, you know, locking our door at night, turning our alarm on and, you know, right. shutting out the, the actual real world out there that we're trying to hide from. Exactly. And we think it's so important for you to know the perspectives of everybody, even if it's one that doesn't look like it has anything to do with your life, or even if it's one that you might fundamentally disagree with, at least understanding other people's perspectives lets you know that there's so many aspects that are not in our control, but we all kind of want the same things. We want to stay alive and be loved and love and, you know, have people be nice to each other. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, and it's easier said than done, or it's, it's people, you can say that on the superficial level, but mm-hmm. actually to practice it, it's completely different. Exactly. And that's why we try to help. That's why we try and have, you know, we have our downloadable toolkits and our um, activities because we try to encourage like, this is, this is really life. Let's get out there together. You know? Well, you mentioned before that you took some, uh, this trip with some bloggers when you went to Malawi. Uh, Who are some smart girls on the internet that you look up to or that you went on that trip with? Oh gosh. Well, there were so many, I wouldn't even be able to, I mean, my favorite smart girl that shares the internet with us is Amber Tamplin. Um, she's a poet. She's, she has a, a new book of poetry out and she's just a, she has a beautiful voice and a beautiful mind, but she's also 
she's our poet in residence. And um, each month we have a we have a series called the ABCs of Smart Girls. You know, it's we're on H now. H for heartbreak is this month. And um, so each month she writes a poem, and they are wonderful. They're you know they can they can make you weep. They can make you feel joy. No matter what, they make you feel, and it's that's always good when you have to have a true feeling from something that's so um, honest and deep as one of her poems makes me so proud. And I think she's the strongest sister that we have out there right now. So then, what are, what kind of book, even any books you can recommend to people listening from Smart Girls that you've read recently? Because people like it's funny because I talk to people about books, and then they'll email me. Like, oh, yeah, I bought three books because I heard someone talk about them on your show. So, if there's Oh, any- sure. Oh, my God. I'm happy to. That's our favorite. Amy and I love books is our favorite thing to do. <laughs> no. We love reading. I would say, well, first of all, I mean, obviously, you've got to read Yes, Please by Amy Poehler, by yep. Amy Meredith Poehler, if you haven't read that yet. Um, but right. I also highly recommend, um, there's a great book by Pema Chodron that's called Don't Bite the Hook. And it is just a really good um it's a way of taking like some kind of self-help psych- psychology, but making it so when you read the book, you just kind of end up a better person. And, uh, and then I also always recommend Linda Ellerby's book called And So It Goes, because um, it's, it's an important story. She was one of the first women to host the national news in this country. We haven't always had 10,000 stations to choose from with just lots of people all over the place. Um, so when she did it, it was for a reason. And she's an excellent writer. And, um, and I think everybody should read that book. Did that book just come out? No, it's classic. Yeah. It's been out for, a, for since the 80s, I think. But I reread it once a year. What network did she uh, broadcast on? NBC. For the most part. And what, what decade was it? The 80s. Well, and I think part of the 90s, but mostly the 80s. And um, everybody should Google her. You can watch t- clips of her. Um, but she's still a, a force to be reckoned with. She's still, she's, she's still hosting Nick News, and she's still a very powerful voice for, for everybody, but especially for women. What resonates with her story that you have like, reacted to so much so that you read it, the book every year? Well, she's my friend, first of all, and she's super, she's as wise as they can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, she's, she's the one who she would working for her. She'd, she'd say things like, um, okay, who wrote this? You can't drown to death. Who wrote that? You know, and you're like, oh yeah, you just drown, you know? And, uh, so I really admire her, her knowledge, her know-how of language and words. Um, but also she's, like all the women I love the most, she's had her stumbles and fumbles, but her honesty and her integrity are what have kept her moving forward. You know, it's, it's kept her progressing and she's, and it's all the hard times mixed with the good times and the career setbacks and best-selling books. All of it has made her one of the most interesting people on the planet. And she, um, she always wants the, uh, the truth out there and to help people. And I just think the more you can be around energy like that or read and pick up that energy, uh, you can't go wrong. When's your book coming out? I mean, I feel oh like- gosh, I'm so glad you brought it up now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I would love that though. Yeah. Um, I'm writing a book. It's scheduled to be at the end of this year. What, what's it about? It's the influencer economy. It's the, I'm, I'm profiling like internet personalities like YouTubers and podcasters oh and self, <gasps> self-published best-selling authors. I bet that's a mix of fun and totally grueling at the same time, right? It's been a grind. I've researched for about two years now. 
Oh my gosh. Um, so I've uh, just, it's, it's, it's awesome though. Cause I get to talk to people for the book on the podcast and vice versa for the book and they come on the podcast. So in the end, like I've got a, this guy, Freddie Wong has a chapter who's a big rocket jump video creator, like does special effects on YouTube and oh. uh, Mark Marin from WTF, Hannah Hart, Hannah Hart from uh, YouTube from yeah. you deserve a drink. Um, so I'm about a third of the way through. Um, but I'd love to use a quote from this podcast in the book. Please. So, cause I think that you're, you're the message you, you come across in, in how you speak. Like, I think authenticity is like in transparency or such words, like they've almost become marketing terms. I agree. And so I'm always like very careful to use them only when they matter. Um, thank you. But there's something in how you speak that is, it's like, the truth of it is if you don't actually do what you say, then like we're programmed to think that our, um, like say, Oh, we need to be nice to people. Or we need to be thoughtful. Like we're just programmed to think that. Right. And we say it as if it's just like an automatic reflex, but actually practicing it is completely different. Yeah, it really is. I mean, and it's important, you know, you gotta, you gotta talk the talk and walk the walk. Yeah, so so it's it's refreshing to talk to you. And oh, I saw I have a chapter on Bernie Burns. He's a guy from Austin, Texas. I don't know if you know him. Um, what's his What's his job, or what does he do? They do rooster teeth, red versus yes, blue. Yes, 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 yes. They're great. Um, but yeah, the whole goal with the book and why you're so relevant is that you know for the podcast is like people that come from the web that just were like you've done this since 2007, 2008. It's not like yeah. you know, some overnight. Like you got acquired by uh, legendary, legendary, you know, we we met at the Nerdist event down there. It's not like you just jumped in and Nerdist was suddenly like part of your team. Right. Yeah. We've been toiling away. You know, it's like a slow grind and it's like, you know, know, one new follower a day, one new email a day, one new listener. And I just feel like it's such a, a great story that you all have because now you've popped up and suddenly my wife and 20 of her friends have liked you on Facebook already. And <laughs> you know, you've got, you've got this grassroots movement growing. It makes me really happy. It truly does because we, we were just at Comic-Con for instance, and we had so many young people come up to us and say, how can we do this? You know, in our towns, we want to do these together. Let's all form groups and volunteer together on certain days and things like that. I mean, there's that's success. The people want to go out in the world and do these things that we have found to be, um, you know, rewarding and, and just, you know, life affirming or at least enlivening. Uh, it's, that just makes us so happy. You know, that's, that is truly the, the achievement for us. Do you all, and I have, I just have one or two questions, but do you have, do you guys have any people that are like haters or is there anyone that you're mad at because you're like, Oh, why do they try to to make this into what it's not? Not, not, not really. I mean, there are certain times when we'll get flack about particular things, um, but not, not like, you know, I don't think that we get any negativity that's just as how we're doing things and who we are. There are, you know, there, you know, obviously certain political things will come up you know, that's when we'll get like all of a sudden we'll get comments from a, from people whose whose uh, thumbnail picture is kind of a you know a white older male, and the, you know that'll be like you know uh, Benghazi. They'll just write that out for no reason, you know things like that. Um, 
but other than that, really, I think we're just, we're so inclusive that, um, it's hard to find, to, to find haters. Well, you guys talk about Benghazi? No, we don't. That's Uh-oh. the thing. If we, but if we put something up, like we, I think we wished somebody a happy birthday once. It was, maybe it was, maybe it was uh, Hillary Clinton or uh-huh. something like that. We also say that, you know, to Condoleezza Rice or whoever, but anyway, so and I think that day, a lot of people, some website must have said, oh, gross, somebody wished celebration on this person, you know, and they all, so we got a lot of, um, a lot of words I can't repeat even on podcasts because it would just make me feel unclean. Well, but, please, uh, please tell me that being a smart girl is a nonpartisan issue because I would it be, totally is. I would be it's, surprised and shocked if anyone suddenly thought there was allegiances. Um, yeah. Well, that, and that's the thing. That's why we're just like, oh God, get over it. You yeah. know? Because what we do is we just, we're always like, this woman did this and this lady's doing this and, you know, um, and that's what it is. And not to mention, not only is it, you know, nonpartisan, but it's also, it's not really about uh, notoriety, you know, it's yeah. our focus are the, I like to be a glass blower. I like to, um, you know, whatever. I mean, it could be anything. Um, and, you know, I like to hip hop dance. It's like, that's what I do instead of you know, just sitting on a computer and trolling all day. That's who we're interested in. Uh, that's awesome. I was going to even ask for advice as a last question, but you've already given a lot of pearls of wisdom. Ooh. Um, all right. What's, so when, uh, are you gonna have a cameo in Amy and Tina Fey's new movie? <laughs> I don't. The, the biggest cameo I've ever had really is just on parks and rec. Um, uh, Amy's, I mean, Anne, the character Anne, her middle name is Meredith. And then Leslie Nope's birthday, Amy gave her my birthday. So that's as close as it comes. And that's great. That's good enough for me. It's like an Easter egg. Exactly. It, that's a thing. I forgot that that's a, that's a thing. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so out of it. But yes, that's right. Yeah. Well, you, uh, you, you travel a lot. So maybe you don't have time to catch up on the... That's the, what it is. That's why I don't have a Snapchat yet. Yeah. Not yet. Travel. Not yeah. yet. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, this has been awesome. And, uh, oh, I'm so glad. You're so fun to talk to. Yeah, this has been phenomenal. And I guess besides Parks and Recreation, any other smart girls on TV that people can watch or even like a Netflix documentary you could recommend? Oh, my gosh. Don't get me started. I love all of – I love every Netflix documentary. <laughs> I, was, I would encourage people to go to YouTube and just look at our library because we've got a lot of funny, goofy things. And, um, and be sure and dance along to the dance parties. They're great. We have um, – uh, at the end of July, we're going to have a whole bunch of new shows coming out that okay. um, that are just so wonderful. You're going to love them. And then uh, I would say, let's see, and just don't forget to read Yes, Please. It's an excellent book, and um, and it's a way to find out some more about Smart Girls, too. My wife has it on her iPad. I, uh, oh, fantastic. Yeah. So, well, this is phenomenal. Thank you for, for joining. Oh, well, thank you for having me on. I'm so happy. Uh, that we got to, the, the chance to meet and connect and I'm so happy that you have your book coming out. I look forward to reading it. That was Meredith Walker. Such a fun guest. So happy I had her on. We connected at South by Southwest through a mutual friend, Charlene, who used to work at Nerdist. And as you can tell through the interview, legendary uh, film or legendary pictures acquired uh, Nerdist and they also acquired Smart Girls and a few other websites. So it's super exciting that you know, at the Nerdist party, we talked literally for 35 to 40 seconds. But I dug what she was doing. She dug what I was doing. Connected months later. Here's the episode. I thought we really hit it off. 
and her passion for smart girls is awesome and it's really inspiring and one of the pleasures of talking to people on the podcast is connecting and chatting and meeting up with people like Meredith who believe and practice what they preach and really get down in the nitty-gritty about how they can change the world and transform people's thinking around the perception of young girls but also helping young women around the world and empowering them I thought her Malawi story was really awesome to hear and Obviously fun hearing the Saturday Live content and stories around that with her first uh, meeting with Amy and how they you know, germinated this idea into what it is now and how cool it is to start a company with your friend and how I think it's an underrated virtue with a modern day business that you can actually do something with friends and make it succeed and still be friends at the end of the day. So uh, as I mentioned, the book due out in December, cannot wait to share that with everyone. Have a third of it done. It is cranking. So if you have any ideas, you want to hit me up to be on the list, Ryan at InfluencerEconomy.com for the upcoming announcement of the Influencer Economy book. We'll be doing a speaking tour, college and university visits, podcast content specifically for the book. I'll be giving exclusive content to readers who pre-order it. Have a lot of great ideas. Hopefully you'll be a part of it. Would love to hear what you think. Hit me up. And I can't divulge every chapter at this point, but I will be giving out certain chapters ahead of the launch. So anyway, uh, find me on iTunes. Please subscribe. I have to do these uh, these final little announcements. So please subscribe. Love to hear what you think. Leave a comment. Uh, Julia, my daughter, I want to give her a shout out. She's my smart girl. My wife, Catherine's a smart girl. My mom, Kathy, is a smart girl. There's no expiration date on these smart girls. So I want to thank the smart girls in my life for being a part of it and helping me become a smarter, smarter guy. So the next few months are going to be really exciting for me. So happy you're on the journey and heading over to Duke Zebert's for some chicken in the pot.